Hello and welcome to Tamper Tantrum the 22nd um, live and exclusive from Dublin, Ireland and Stafford, UK The two hotbeds of specialty coffee in the world Yeah, that's about it anyway <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, very good Glad to be back in Stafford and not in a foreign country this time um, Yeah, it's it's nice to be home Although it's taken a little bit of getting back into time zones After Kenya and then a few days at home And then Central America, which is an opposite time zone But yeah, no, I'm good How are you? Good, yeah. We had uh, competitions this week in Ireland, which we'll probably go into mm. a little bit later. And, yeah, no, very uh, exciting. But like big, like some big surprises there, and 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 you know, great to see um, new blood coming through the competition. Which I mean, yeah. you didn't compete. <laughs> it's so funny how many people were like, "It's good to see so many new faces," isn't it? and I, I just took that as it's good to see that you didn't win, you fucker. <laughs> I'm, like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry about that. So I won't do it again. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, it was it was good. Uh, but yeah, I've got I've got you see I've got competitions to come to later on. So let's let's not talk too much about that, uh, except Skit. for the fact that I've had enough trade show for the moment. I'm, I'm done with trade show. Can, can we talk about trade shows before we go? Like, I've decided that trade shows are where bad people go to die. Because every time I've been to a trade show, there's more bad people than good people. But people love them. Mm. You see, I, I do have this thing where, when I die, I do expect, because I've been a bad person, to, to end up constantly walking around a trade show. So I was going to say a trade show then, and I remembered that they're helping the SCIE UK to put on a thing this year, so I'm not going to mention the trade show. But um, I constantly will be walking around the aisles... Um, and all I'll find are syrups makers and smoothie people and sandwich packing. Um, they are terrible places. Yeah, well, this this one was it was it, it's it was a, a catering trade show, so it's it's lots of um, I think it's a it, it seems like a lot of tire kickers as well. Like it's a, it's a lot of people that someday might want to open a restaurant or a cafe or a bar or something, you know, and they kind of. I've had an idea about like, opening up a restaurant. It was an idea. I've had an okay. idea about opening up a restaurant. So please, can I have like an hour of your time, Mr. Successful Restaurant uh, Selling Person, um, so I can yeah. stand on your trade show? And I have no business plan. I have no idea how I'm going to actually implement it, but I've got this idea. Uh, and there's so many yeah. of those at trade shows where they go in rounds. Oh, you know, I'm researching. Right, this is the third year you've been here. What are you researching? Yeah. It's a lot of that, right? Uh, we, uh, I like to think that I have like a mobile free stand at, at trade shows, so like it's which is just me walking around because it's uh, yeah they cost a lot of money to do. But anyway, I think you, you, you see, you are the kind of person that I had a stand once at a trade show, and you were the kind of person that annoyed the heck out of me because you came onto my stand that I'd paid for and took my time to talk to me. Um, when I when then customers were walking past because you come on my stand talking to me, so you're one of the bad people at a trade show, and you're the reason I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. a rich vein. We could re- we've cut into a rich vein here of spite and anger and venom towards trade shows. Should we go to the SCAA this year? But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, oh, this is weird. Oh, okay, I've got a confession, Steve. Uh, okay. I'm actually watching the football while we're talking. Uh, I've just come on the TV. 
Have you? Yeah, I'm in a bank ad in Ireland, and there's me making coffee. <laughs> the, the, title, the title of it is Backing Brave, because I'm really brave. Oh, you're so rock and roll. Sold yeah. out to a bank. We all hate bankers, do you remember? This is the thing. And particularly like, in Ireland, you I really hate bank, the bankers. So really well, that's what you left because you hated them. And now you're mm. selling them. Yeah, the irony. Um, we should think of... Yeah, okay, let's talk about something positive then. So, Nicaragua was positive. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was it. So, when you left me, I was stuck in Guatemala and I eventually got out to go to Nicaragua. And uh, as we were talking off podcast, uh, it was the most positive thing of the whole trip. Like, Nicaragua seemed to be the least affected by leaf rust. And by least, there were some issues, but the guys we were working with had a real like, grasp on it. Um, they were positive for the future. Like, when I said, you know, how, how do you, how is it, is it difficult to get people to come and work for you? It's like, no, no, we look after them and they like to work for us. And as you walked around, people were happy. And it was so just wait, all go back, super go back, positive. Go back a little bit. Okay, so you're saying that they were they're less affected by leaf rust. Is that because of like climate conditions or because they're working hard or because it hasn't quite reached that, like it just hasn't infiltrated the country to the extent it has it elsewhere? Like what's the no, listen, it's, it's everywhere. They're like, they're, 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 the Central America, it is pretty much everywhere, but they're just Nicaragua. And this is kind of maybe because of the guys I'm working with, but on top of it, like they knew it was coming and knew how to react. And, and this is because they're educated producers that have access to all of the things that they need. Um, they also like, so we talked about El Salvador in the last one, being very reliant on Bourbon and Pacamara and Pacas. You know, the diversity of coffee in, um, in Nicaragua was huge. Uh, so I think a lot of it was because of that plant diversity. New plant stock, you know, you can't estimate how much of a difference that makes. Um, yeah, no, Nicaragua was fantastic. Um, it, I really came away feeling not so down about the whole trip because I just had doom and gloom for lots of it from producers kind of saying how much yields were down and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was, yeah. It was really positive. Interesting, interesting. And you were visiting, did you visit the Mirish farms when you were there? Mm. So they're the guys that we're working with there, and we work with like six of their farms now. Um, and Irwin's a great friend as well, so he's, he's always uh, he is, good to drink. He is, farm, with him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he is farm, he's a farm in Honduras now as well, is that right? He does Cerro Azul, um, which uh, is the only Honduras we've stopped in the past five years, and not because... I'm in love with him because he gives me Florida Canya, but because he, <laughs> like, he seems to have fixed this thing about coffees falling off the edge. Um, like Honduran coffee is well known for being delicious on pre-shipment samples. By the time it arrives, it's less delicious, and by the time you're selling it, it's even less delicious. Um, there was a time and, not so long ago when Nicaragua had that same reputation, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it comes down to the drying. You know, that's certainly the, the conversations I've had with people that drying has a massive effect on the way that coffee holds up over the, the time. Um, you know, and consistent. Well, of course, you know, Honduras, it's well, well known that the humidity in the port, the main port in Honduras, is pretty horrendous, um, and, and that has an effect uh, during the shipping. You don't want it to be at port for too long. Um, you know, some people have kind of, it's asked about Bolivia and 
um, you know, the stuff we ship out of Bolivia because it has to go through Chile and, and then it goes, you know, many ports and if that has an effect. And I think it does, you know, you have to be very quick and your shipping lines have to be very much on the ball to make sure that the, the, the coffees don't hang around and they move quickly. Yeah, it's interesting how. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's good to hear some positive things coming out of there. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, like I'm, the, the Mirish family themselves, I think, like, it's strange because it's it, there's a lot of rhetoric around uh, generally in coffee. I'm not even talking specialty coffee, but like we when we talk to customers or to people come to classes or whatever, there's there's always that perception of the coffee farmer as, as the guy with the donkey and mm. a basket of coffee. And you're, like whenever that that kind of that that's kind of brought up in conversation, the first person I think of is Irwin Mirsch. and I'm like, <laughs> I need to find a photo to show him this guy because he's like. He's he's a proper don, isn't he? You know, do you know what the, the I think the thing is is if you own land anywhere, so you you own your house or you have a mortgage on the house, you own that you you you're kind of like you know you're doing okay, you're working well, and that's what landowners are. You own a business, you know, you kind of that means that you know you're kind of doing okay, and that's the same anywhere in the world. So anybody who owns some land that can sell coffee from. He's generally going to be doing okay in the bigger countries. So, you know, you go to smallholder countries like Colombia or smallholder countries like Ethiopia or, uh, you know, some of the smallholders in Kenya. Yes, that's a little bit different because it's like 200 trees. But if you have an yeah. estate, you can pretty much put your bottom dollar on that you, you're kind of okay. Um, and and the, a lot of the reason for me going on these trips is it's never to... Uh, to go and see whether Irwin's living okay because I, I'm fairly confident Irwin's living great um, and, and he deserves to because he works really hard. But the 3,000 people that he employs, which I found out on this trip that he's like 3,000 people at the minute employed under him, I want to make sure just, that they're just, happy. Just, just say that once more. You've said it twice, but just say it once more. 3,000 people. I mean, they have That's six insane. farms and they're big farms and they have a big mill and they do all of their processing and shipping and drying and, and everything themselves but 3,000 can you imagine managing 3,000 people how many um, people do you think Sunderland Football Club employs oh not not nowhere yeah 90 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and all of them useless um, yeah but but the thing is is like you talk to the guys there and they do little things so they they pay Listen, they, they pay better than most people do around there. That's why they get the good people coming to work for them. But it's not those things that they come back for. They have schools, they have hospitals. On Limoncillo, it has its own healthcare centre. It has its own school, not just for the children, but for the adults in the evenings. Um, they they get paid like more than most people pay, but they also give them lunch. Now, lunch is... Uh, an, I mean, at 3FE, we give the staff like the discount for their lunch, and I think that's a kind of... it's a you know. It's a really big thing to keep people motivated, um, yeah. and and it's the little things that they do that keep them motivated. And driving on to San Jose and Escondida with uh, with Irwin, like we drove past the school on the way to San Jose, and all the kids were in the window waving because Irwin was going past. Um, <laughs> now you can think that might be staged, but I don't. You how old are your children now? They're like one and three. Oh, kids don't do what you tell them to do. Kids, kids don't do, do not do what they told them to at all. And yeah. these kids were like waving away, and um, and that that for me is the job of the coffee buyer is not to go and see how the producers doing, but to see how the people who are working for the producer are doing. And, yeah. Um, 
I, 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 I always have very warm feelings from, from those guys. Understandably so. And then outside of that, in terms of coffee production, like there's, I mean, Irwin is, is uh, and the farms in general do incredible work with, with naturally processed coffees, different turning times. Um, and then also like bringing new varieties in, like uh, like Ethiosaurus, that's the one with their kind of... Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that was the first production well. last year that uh, Pizza used in the WBC, and uh, but also like Lorena, the the low, the low calf, uh, naturally low caffeinated coffee um, that we've bought a bag of this year, a whole bag. Um, it's starting to hit production, and and they, they've just got there's so many varietals going on there. They have lots and lots of different things, um, lots and lots of different processes. So the funky process. They've officially decided that that was my process, um, and I've invented so it. For, for for those that don't know this funky process, give us a quick um, uh, overview. There was funky, and what was the at the other end is the elegant, elegant. That's it. And, and basically, so it's just um, you and Irwin having a conversation about where how often he should turn the cherries, and then the 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 effect that has on the the funk in each of those lots. Is that fair? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. So, what, so what, what happened was, about three years ago, we bought this very small lot of what some people would say was over-fermented, mm-hmm. what I said was funky and delicious. And this is the thing, one man's ferment is another man's funk. But um, I really enjoyed this coffee, and lots of my customers really enjoyed this coffee. Lots of them didn't, but lots of them did. So the following year, I went back to Nicaragua, and we were cupping, and everything had got a little bit cleaner. Everything had got a little bit sharper and a little bit more elegant. And I was like, so what's happened? So what they'd done was instead of uh, turning the cherries every two hours and, and having them around about I don't know, about two, three inches thick, they dropped them to about an inch thick and were turning them every hour, which was, um, it was kind of drying them more evenly and they were finding that they were getting this more elegant cup from it. And I was kind of like, well, I'm really missing this funk. And they said, well, one of the guys didn't get the memo about turning it every hour. Basically, he was asleep when everybody was telling him to. He was wondering why everybody was working so hard turning the coffee every hour, and he'd got his, like, three inches of cherries turning them every two. Um, <laughs> I, I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, But they said, well, we've got the sample. Do you want to cup it? So we, we cupped, And as soon as I cupped it, I just went, funky. That's funky. And that was it. The name kind of has stuck ever since then. Um but the, 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 the funny part is that they've kind of changed it a little bit now. So when they pick the cherries, they leave them in cherry for around, like in a sack for around 24 to 48 hours to kind of almost start that fermentation process before they lay them out. Um, wow. And they've, they've started to put it on the table to scare the Japanese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a few of the Japanese now started to ask for the funky process as well. So we're starting to kind of have this turn up in other places um, purely from me asking for it to be a little bit more funky, um, which wow. makes me very happy. It's it's my gift to the coffee world. Uh, Intelligentsia do the whole kind of uh, you know kind of bringing the cup of excellence coffees to the US. I brought over fermented coffee allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose fermentation is like uh, extraction. You know, it's 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 all relative. It's, something is mm. only over fermented if you've set an initial target. So. Um, and, that, and we also take the elegant as well, so we don't just buy that one lot. We buy the elegant one, so you can kind of say, well, if I just want a natural, it's cleaner. And we also buy the pulp natural, and we also buy the natural, uh, the washed, sorry. And So we always kind of have 
um, the options for people and people can make their own decisions it's not for me to say that this coffee is good and so you must have it it's my yeah. job to find coffees that everybody will like um, you know like I don't the, we, with the Pacamara that we have from uh, Limoncillo which is the, the Pulp Natural one I don't like it as Pulp yeah. Natural um, I much prefer it as um, you know the natural or the washed but you know some people really like the Pulp Natural so we, we buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coffee's for everybody. True. And then in general, Nicaragua, like, I think you're, it's, you're fairly positive about the next few years, so that's good anyway. I think it's... Ah, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I kind of, it's the first place I ever visited as well. It's the first coffee origin I ever visited. And, and if you, like, when you do your, your first real one, Colin, choose carefully. Like, I did well with Nicaragua. I know. You know, okay, th- I've never seen Star Wars ever alright and you know why I've never seen Star Wars because it's cool not to see Star Wars so you can kind of quote that program when I was a kid one of my best friends was obsessed with Star Wars and when I told him I hadn't seen it he got really pissed off Um, so then I decided to not watch it just so I could piss him off Uh, and the more (laughs) I refused to watch it the more annoyed he got and uh, then I grew up and things moved on and I just decided to continue that. So I haven't seen him in about 23 years, I'd say. But I'm still doing it and I've never seen Star Wars. Um, yeah, I, not visiting a coffee farm is probably not the same thing. I'm not doing it to piss anybody off. But like it's uh, <coughs> there's something kind of... Um, I kind of like... People go, so how many... Do you go to these farms? I go, nope, never. Steve does that. I stay here. And then, like the look of shock on their face, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna stay here. It's cool. One know. day, I, I, yeah, I, I should, you know, but it's just, I don't know. I, <coughs> I'm a big, I'm, I'm big on achievability. Do you know what I mean? That's like, that's what everything comes back to. And I'm like, I would like to go, but I would be more use here doing this or there doing that, and then. You know, you can't, you can't do everything, so you just pick what you want to do. But, yeah, I agree I should go sometime. When you do, can we go on the flight <laughs> together and I'm going to make you watch Star Wars on the flight? <laughs> okay, it's a deal. It's deal. A deal. Excellent. Yeah. I'm not holding your hand when you fly, though. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that might be a problem. You might have to. Um, so, speaking of holding your hand on a flight, um, SCAA Symposium's coming up. It is, it is, and they announced the speakers um, yesterday. Uh, actually, I don't know when I'm going to put this up, so maybe I shouldn't say yesterday. I should say they announced it on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Did you Perfect, see? Steve. Yes, yeah, I kind of saved that one. Did you see the speakers? Uh, I did not, and I'm currently Frantic doing it. Because you're really well prepared. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm really excited with what's happening with Symposium for a number of reasons. I think there's different things changing with it. So Symposium's coming to SCAE this year for the first time, um, mm-hmm. although it's changing its name to RICO. Um, mm-hmm. um, and Symposium always happens before SCAA. Uh, I've never been, have you? No. I've always wanted um, to go, but I've never, yeah, never made it. I've always wanted to go. Uh, definitely in the in 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 the past, like, I've kind of seen lots of things. Where, oh, I'd love to see those speak, and I'd love to see these people speak. But it's kind of looking at this year's um, speakers, and there, there seems to be a very um, 
kind of almost like a, a, a direction towards big brands. So, for instance, yeah. there's uh, uh, Keurig Green Mountain, uh, CIB International, Volcafe, who are huge, um, uh, like uh, just a lot of uh, Royal, uh, who are big brokers in the US, uh, Federal University of Lavaris. Um, Is it? It surely has something to do with Starbucks as well, being in Seattle. Yes, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I kind of, I, I often wonder where the direction of symposium kind of is going. Um, is it aimed at, um, because it is part of the SCAA and SCAE, is it aimed at the specialty or is it aimed more at uh, the, the larger brands that come along to SCAA and SCAE? So, you know, there's a lot of big companies that come to these events. Um, it just kind of feels that there's a, a little bit of a, a change of direction towards towards keeping keeping the um, Andrea Illies of this world wanting to come to the show more than keeping the um, you know the well, new small roaster is that anything new though because I mean it's always been like the big trade shows and the WBC are always paid for by the stand next door having a big you know uh, presence of the big guys that, that pay for all of it like um, I think wasn't it was it London 2010 when Nespresso were sponsors of the WBC and it was an uproar and the response as well? Like they're, they're paying Bogotar. for everything, so yeah. Yeah, no, they, they pay a chunk there. of money. Yeah, so no, there is. It? <coughs> I, um, I know Maxwell. So Maxwell Colonna Dashwood is speaking there, which I, like, I'm sure he, like a, a previous Tampa Tantrum speaker. So Is it um, about water? I don't know, but he does mention water in his biography, so maybe. We've got um, Kim Elena Inescu, who uh, is also a previous speaker during the Asia tour that will be going up uh, relatively soon. Um, and then I look at the, and maybe this is my bad, but the rest of the names, I kind of don't, I don't really know any of the other names. Uh, Peter Giuliano, of course, and Rick Reinhardt. Um, but I don't know, I just kind of feel that, it's, it's, well, Symposium kind of is aiming at a, at a different, a different group of people to say for instance speak as we have at Tampa Tantrum. Um, well, maybe it's getting away from that. I think, like, it, it, it can't, like, especially coffee or, or the coffee kind of industry in general, can be a bit of an, an echo chamber at times. So, it, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it having the opportunity to listen to different points of view that you're not used to hearing could be a, an interesting way to go about it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I am not knocking it in any way. Like I, I kind of want, you know, I, I just think it's. I just feel there's a little bit of a change. Um, yeah. Are you yeah. going to go? Symposium? No. It's too expensive. At all. Yeah, it's seven hundred like seven hundred and fifty euro for the SCIE one, and I don't know how many dollars for the the SCIE one, but I'm sure it's similar. Somebody's messaging messaging you, Colin. Who would be messaging me? Um, but yeah, no, it's it, 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 too expensive for me. I don't have that kind of money to throw around for two days of talks. <laughs> uh, and then USBC, are you going to go to that? USBC, no. Or not USBC, WBC. Well, you keep saying that I should, but I'm still to be yeah. convinced. 
I kind of I keep telling people I am, and then I suddenly realise I haven't booked any flights or hotels yet, and it's what six weeks away, something like that. Yeah. So, like, well, the USB C comes up this weekend, um, and uh, it's it's how many people are left? I, I've kind of tuned out of it this year, but like, they've. Is it they still do the thing where like fifty people turn up and then they whittle it down to twelve and six and it's a huge competition, but I um, yeah I, like I always remember every year tuning into USB-C to get the shit scared out of me by how high the standard was, um so yes. I'm looking forward to to looking into this this year. Yeah, and I, I think I'm sure they're going to do the same format. Whereas if if you qualify for one of the regionals, then you don't have to do the first round which is the, the 50 people that you can just... So if you fail, the f if you don't win at a regional, you can still enter the final, which I never quite got. Um, yeah. And then for the... But if you win a regional, it means you miss the first round, which I think puts you at a disadvantage because you don't get a chance to do a run-through in the yeah, environment exactly. where you can be doing. Yeah, that's, that's um, a good so, point. But you also can compete... If you in the first round, if you have won a regional, which again just makes the regional pointless. Um, but you know, when, once you get down to the final, you know it's like any other uh, any other competition. You know, your top six is the the, the best ones you've had come through, and um, and I got to see the, the you know close up last year, the SCIA, and um, I think it was I don't know I had really high expectations. Um, and there were some great performances in there, but there was some that was kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that one to go through. And um, yeah, because of course USBC was in Seattle last year. It um, was, and with, and the same venue is going to be uh, used to host the WBC this year. Yes. Uh, so, given that and your experience of Seattle last year, what can we expect from a WBC in Seattle? Well, I hope bigger crowds. I was really surprised by the lack of crowd at the um, the USBC for the finals. Well, you know, for, for all rounds, but particularly the finals, it wasn't full. Whereas, yeah. um, certainly, my experience of like, I, I mean, the the UK venue is much smaller than the USBC, but then <coughs> it, it isn't held at a big show like the SCAA. Um, the I Irish think crowds are diminishing in general, though. I mean, like, the Melbourne was massive. That was a great crowd, really big, but. Like still, it was still it was smaller than Vienna or Bogota. Uh, the crowds in Rimini were shocking, like terrible. Bogota was definitely think... the highlight for me. Like Bogota was a peak. Like the atmosphere in that place was phenomenal, just unbelievable. Yeah. And Melbourne was great. I think Melbourne did really well. Um, but uh, and and maybe there's something to be said for taking it to different countries. So you know, Europe and and America seem to be so used to it that they're not. As infused by, but Melbourne and Bogota like ripped up the rule book for for crowds. Um, um, I think Dublin is going to be amazing, and yeah. I'm obviously going to say that. But I think the crowds in Dublin are going to be pretty kick ass. Yeah, I'm pretty confident of that. I I hope so. I I really do hope so. And I hope that the Seattle kind of it's a long time. It's 2009 last time it was in the US. It's yeah. like six years is a long time. I really hope that the US do get behind it and uh, really kind of. You know, kind of create an atmosphere, and, and yeah, uh, I felt as well. I, I felt that I left Seattle not having gotten Seattle. So, if anyone out there is listening and has any hints or tips of what we should or shouldn't do, then uh, drop us an email and let us know. Um, but yeah, I think the atmosphere could be improved a lot, the crowds could be a lot better. I had an idea actually that okay. I think would make 
make it a lot better. Okay. Do you remember Gladiators? <laughs> I do. You've got to give baristas cotton buds and like no. they hit each other. So when when like when the bad gladiators came out, like Wolf or some guy, like he was one of the bad ones, everybody'd be like, Boo and they'd give them a stick and he'd be like, you know, shaking his fist at the crowd going, Ah, I'll get you and all that kind of stuff. We should do this at WBC, so but when the judges are brought out and they announce the judges, all the crowd should like be all like boo and start booing the judges and then play all that music, you know, what is he good for? Absolutely nothing and then they should like wear devil costumes and stuff. Okay. No? Yes. No. No. I think it would help an awful lot. How about life scoring? <laughs> How do you feel about that one? I well we, we tried life scoring in the heats uh, in the UK BC last year for the first time. Brilliant. So much better. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, I, I think for finals you can't, but I think there's nothing to stop you for for you know the, the first round to have live scoring. Well, why can't you for the finals? I think the finals is kind of building that tension for the winner and, you know, just kind of that that undercurrent of who's going to win and everybody's still in it at that stage. It creates the excitement. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I, I, I do really, you know, been lucky enough for the past three years to announce the winner, um, which I'm not going to do this year. Just do it anyway. Um, just share it out. I am. I will do. I'm going to stand in the crowd and wear my red suit and just shout it. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's an amazing feeling. Like honestly, the, the crowd and that buzz. They're, they're three moments in my life where you just I, I will remember forever. Where they just the world stopped. Everybody's hanging on every single word and the tension. And I, I think if you took that away, you'd lose something from um, you'd lose something from the competition but definitely for the first round and maybe even for the semis live scoring could make it super interesting the crowd would hang around to see who gets knocked out who doesn't and um, and we definitely found that in the UK is that the, the crowds hung around for longer more so than at any other time we've done it so yeah um, it was good I always think as well when, when these sort of things are on that especially when you go to the States because it's, it's reasonably cheap to travel uh, in and out of the States and Getting to Seattle, I'm not sure there's a direct flight from Dublin to Seattle. No, I think I've got to go to New York. So, but you could go to Chicago or go to Los Angeles or go to San Francisco or something. So, I'm already uh, tell me that's a bottle of wine. You're not just taking a piss. Okay, I can actually pour it. Yeah, now it's a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, we, but in my head I always go like, well, if I have to take a stopover, is there any coffee shops I want to visit? So like already in my head, I've never like I'd love to go see G and B. I'd love to go see uh, um, Nick Cho's new place in San Francisco. I'd love to go see uh, Myriad in Montreal, which is obviously in Canada. Um, and like, there's a few places like that where it's like places like they're coffee shops. You're not going to like fly across the world to go visit a coffee shop and come home again. But if you're going that way anyway, <laughs> you can just take a detour. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever think of doing this? I- I do to go. I have to get a flight to go to three FE, and I do that quite yeah. often. But we're, uh, like, <laughs> no, we're I know, I know, I know. You, I know what you mean. It's like, do you know my some of my best coffee shop visits though are when there's not like I've been to places when there's shows on and you go into a coffee shop and it's like the worst experience ever because it's full yeah. of idiots like me that like can I have something brewed but I only want a 1.55 extraction and, and it's just like it, it makes it the worst experience ever 
Whereas um, just turning up somewhere and then not knowing you and not expecting you is a far better experience. So um, I think you should definitely like GMB. Like I'll, I'll I'll book a flight and come to GMB with you, and and definitely to go and see uh, Nick's place. I'd be all over that. We should just book some flights and go and record Tampa tantrums in their shops and claim it as business expenses. Yeah, but the thing as well, it, it, like with these places, whenever you go, it's like. It's, I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing because my favorite experiences are when you. It sounds contradictory almost, but when you go, and it's just a normal coffee shop experience. You get there and you realize that it's just a coffee shop, and they have regular customers, and sometimes the staff don't get on, and you know they're waiting to fix the table, the legs on the table over there because they're broken, and just like normal stuff happens there. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. Does that make sense at all? I don't because you, you kind of you build these places up in your head, and it's it's almost reassuring when you see that they're just normal cafes. Now, very much so, and I think I think the thing is, is when like Seattle, everybody in Seattle is currently booking the decorators to come in and redecorate, and they're making sure that everything is sorted. Their staff are being taught on their best, you know, to be on their best behaviour because the show's coming to town. Um, yeah, just as next year, by everybody, it's not fair, really, is it? No, just like next year, like you're going to be going through exactly the same process when it, when it comes to Dublin. Is you're going to be on the ball, you're going to be making sure that everything is exactly how you want it to be. Um, you know, to, to because you don't want people to come in and go, your shop's a bit rubbish. Um, so that normal coffee shop experience that people have all sorts of problems in their shops every day, and um, you know, I kind of I like to see that too. It like makes me feel a little bit better going to visit roasteries. Like I love it when like something's going wrong. It's like thank God for that. It's not just me. Um, so so it, no, I, I did get that completely. Is there is there anywhere else in the world that you've uh, like? I, I don't know. Am, am I? Are you as fanboyish about coffee shops as I am, or are you more about the roasteries? I guess I'm a little bit more about the roasteries, but there is. I I would because we talked about this earlier today and you said like because you set a seed in my head and I started it's like I'm still embarrassed that I've never been to Chicago never been to Chicago I have to go to Chicago and Portland as well Portland I've also been told I have to go to but Chicago is somewhere yeah we recently bought a a load of coffees off heart uh, yes just to try I said oh look one of everything and I was really impressed really great and I'd love to go there and try see that shop and it's like you you need to have those trips as a kind of um, as a justification for doing it. But anywhere outside the states, oh, outside the states, jeez, um, that's a tough one because I've been to the most of the ones in Europe that I've wanted to go to. Um, outside of the states, let me think. Hmm. Do you know? Like everybody told me about. Um, is it? Uh, um, oh gosh the one in Australia in Melbourne the Mary um, uh, Proud Mary yeah Proud Mary everybody told me that that was the one that I really missed out on uh, when I went to Melbourne so probably Proud Mary is the one that I'd love to go to Um, but I don't see my opportunities to go to Australia happening anytime soon Australia please invite me I'd like to come again you should do a camper tantrum in Australia oh that would be so cool. I'd love to yeah. go to Mies again. Like, Mies for me was... I never got to see any of the show. And the bits I did see was a trade show that I might have enjoyed. Um, 
it was um, yeah no it's pretty cool I, I, I when I was walking around before the WBC started it looked um, like there were lots of cool people there um, lots of good coffee and not an awful lot of syrups and uh, smoothie makers and stuff like that yeah that's fair so how about you outside, outside of the States because you mentioned you can't count Canada because it's in North America um, so anywhere else you'd like to visit that you haven't um, where would I like to visit? Um, there's a whole lot of places that have sprung up in Paris. Like when I went to Paris before, it was well looked after, like a Telescope and Ten Bells. But there seems to be like this eruption of specialty coffee shops there, like Holy Belly, and um, I know uh, David Nigel Flynn is now roasting with Belleville, and like I'd love to go see what what they're doing. And yeah, I need to get back to Paris. Paris is one of those cities where. Like I've been to London probably fifth or not fifteen times, but like at least kind of five, ten times, and not liked it. And then it was only when I went and I knew people there, like John and Jeff, probably around, and suddenly I liked it. It was kind of like they kind of cracked it for me, you know. And I think Paris is kind of like that. I've never really gotten Paris, and the last time I went was for was pretty much one night, and a friend of mine, Tom Cooney, was uh, that used to work for us at Three FE, was living there at the time, and he showed us around for one day with with David and uh, Nico from uh, Telescope. And it was just, uh, it was the only time I've ever gotten Paris. I was like, this is awesome. And then I had to go home. So I'd definitely like to go back to Paris and see some of those places. I'm sure Yvonne would quite. No? No, okay. I've never been to Maxwell's place. So I'd like to go to, to see that. Um, I'm sure Yvonne would love Paris. Honestly, if you said to her, let's go Bath. to Paris. Bath is a beautiful then... country, a city as well, you know, so. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. Uh, no, Maxwell's place is amazing as well. Like, I, I, it, it is. It's a, such an experience to go to that <coughs> shop. I, I love going. Um, some of my, some of my most challenging uh, brewed experiences have come from going there. Like, I've had some brewed coffees that have just changed my opinion of different roasters, uh, changed yeah. my opinion of different coffees, different origins. Um, yeah, no, they're definitely, uh, definitely worth a visit for sure. You do know that these places are very easy to get to with Ryanair. In fact, you'd probably pay twenty, thirty euro to to go to them. Have you got thirty euro? <laughs> no, you've got a lot of money. I'll send you a PayPal request. Okay, well, I'll de- I'll, I will definitely send you the money if you do that. Cool, but only if you book them with Ryanair, because so you can suffer on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then actually speaking of roasteries, um, one roastery that I definitely want to go try coffee from. I know little to nothing about this, but I saw on Instagram about half an hour before I talked to you that Chris Baca has set up a roastery. Yes, I saw that too, and I was like, "What? When did that happen? Why did nobody tell me this was happening?" Yeah, that's a bit of a a shock. Well, I don't know what, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna go. Can't keep a good man down. Yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris. You know that, um, mm. and I think uh, I definitely want. It's it, Honey Co Coffee is what they call themselves, and their bags are beautiful, and mm-hmm. that's all I know. Like they seem to be, um, yeah. I don't know. I, w- I, I wonder. Yeah, I don't want to speculate about about what who's involved and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's it's definitely if Chris is involved I'm excited about it so I'm going to go find out as much as I can about it for the next temper tantrum we can we can talk about it then well you said we were going to have a guest for the next one yeah that would be very cool how cool Actually, like, we, could, we could be all fanboyish to him and go oh you're so awesome oh we love you you're great and we could be all giddy yeah 
Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to set it up. Make it happen. True. Okay, so at this, finally, I think what we should do is commend ourselves for, for getting this done every two weeks because we're doing a pretty awesome job. Well, we've done three episodes. But um, yeah, yeah I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying keeping them going. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to have... Uh, get some people doing dialing soon. Uh, we've got some uh, very exciting plans afoot for some more uh, video content and uh, taking temper tantrum in a few different directions that you probably didn't expect, but um, should be really really enjoyable. And it's it's going to come thick and fast from here on in. So if you have any suggestions, questions, complaints, no, not complaints. You can keep them to yourself. Um, compliments. <laughs> you can drop us a line, a tweet. Uh, messenger ped, pigeon whatever you want to do and uh, yeah we'd be more than happy to um, uh, at least listen to your point of view Maybe my favourite way well my favourite way of receiving a message is a note tied to a house brick thrown at my house <laughs> yeah you never, t- you never do we... tell you to do that no that's the way we communicate um, but no it's kind of good I, I'm really I'm really pleased that like I've spoken to you uh, three times in six weeks this is this is a first for us and we haven't spoken in three years it's amazing I know, I know and all that pretending we have to do at the WBC where yeah you're great and lots of pointing and go. stuff it's um, easier we should talk about uh, the IBC because you've kept me waiting long enough Oh, um, I did skip over that. Yeah, so you um, did skip over that. So tell me <clears throat> everything that happened at KTEX from start to finish. This is your time to talk. My time to be very quiet. Okay, so we had the semi-finals for the Irish Barista Championships in last September, I believe it was, at the Dublin Coffee and Tea Festival, and um, the six finalists made it through to the finals this year. So. They, that was on uh, yesterday, so it was cup tasting today. There was um, British competition yesterday and last year at the, the night before or the day before. And um, I think, uh, yeah. So I mean, Bruno Ferrer was obviously one of the big favourites, uh, who's finished um, second three three times in Brazil and twice in Ireland up until now. Uh, Mark Ashbridge, who runs Established in Belfast, which is, if anyone's listening and hasn't been there, it's one of those coffee shops that you should travel to see. It's it's wonderful. Really enjoy it. Um, and um, there was Vinny um, from Jab Republic, formerly of um, Badger and Dodo, who, again, is huge competition pedigree and, you know, uh, a lot of um, way behind him. But it was uh, the new girl, uh, Natalia uh, Piotrowska, is my attempt. Women in coffee! Earlier. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, Natalia won. Natalia works at a cafe in Ballinasloe, which is a, a town in Mayo in Ireland, a small town. And not really like a bastion of specialty coffee, really. Uh, I'm sure the people of Ballinasloe will forgive me for saying. Uh, and very new to kind of more the kind of specialty end of things. But um, Natalia, she came to us for coffee and kind of asked those questions and you know looking for advice and stuff and like the thing I was saying to people yesterday when they were asking who the hell is this girl that's after winning it, um, is that she was she was ready in November um, she was so prepared worked really really hard acknowledged that she didn't have the the experience or the reputation that, that other people might have had but she um, decided that she would just work as hard as she possibly could and it was I'm going to say that I was 
I didn't think she'd win. I thought she was in with a shout, but you know, I was a little bit surprised, but absolutely overjoyed for it because I think uh, it's good to see someone like you know work really hard and get their just resorts. Equally gutted, gutted for for Mark and Bruno because they also work really hard. And I mean, like it's, it's like Bruno that's the second or his sixth time coming second in a national competition, and I think Mark and Bruno are both as baristas, uh, two of the most iconic baristas that. I've come across like in in Dublin and Belfast respectively they're uh big influencers and yeah just you know it's it's that thing that we always come back to it's like the the only bad thing about Bristol competition is that at the end there's generally only one person that's happy the MC (laughs) you know it's a yeah I don't know it's a it's a shame that only one could go through but um, yeah, so that's that's our Irish Barista champion, Natalia. So she's uh, getting prepared for Seattle when it's not that far away. It's not. It's not at all. Um, what what coffee did she use? Uh, she used a, a coffee grown by uh, Rosenda Melgar from Bolivia, that you know very well. Mm-hmm. So roasted by 3FE, actually. Woo! 3FE, first white win in the Irish BC for coffee. Yeah, I don't well done, you. Uh, I, I did little to nothing as always. So, um, but uh, for some strange reason, had like lots of people commending me and, and congratulating me at the end. <laughs> I was like, uh, "Yeah, Monica roasted it. One helped her." I trained training. her. I, I trained Monica. It. I trained Monica. <laughs> I sourced the coffee. I deserve all of the praise. Anybody wants praise, please send it to me. I'd be very, very happy to receive it. Yeah, and we had uh, we had uh, Gwilym Davies and. Um, Petra over for doing the judging as well, so it was good. I went for dinner with them last night, they're in good form. So yeah, it's good. We had a good competition and it was well run. Uh marshalled by Damien, as <laughs> see what I did there. Uh as it always is. And uh yeah, it was good. It's nice to be able to watch competition and, and uh not be involved in it. Like I rarely ha- get to do that. Has Gwillem turned into a skeleton? Because I'm just looking at Twitter at the moment and his Twitter photo, he's disgustingly thin. Does Petra not feed he's- him? He's, it's a, like he looks ten years younger than he did when I met him five years ago. Yep. Sick. It's kind of sickening. Yeah, it is. but he, he's a good one. That's where actually there you go. There's a coffee shop. It's not really a coffee shop, but I want to go and have coffee in his training room in Prague. Because he keeps telling um, me about this little town in outside Prague where he lives, and it sounds idyllic. Well, Dale was there like two weeks ago. He went to something in Prague with Gwilym. Got to hang out yeah. there, so he's beaten us both to it. Ah, but yeah, now Gwillem's Gwillem's cool. Um, I I have many things to thank him for from helping with our latte art competition this year and making everything good. So uh, Gwillem is a legend. True that. A worthy champion that continues his legacy on and on and on. That is very true. That is very true. Yeah. Okay, shall we wrap it up there? I think um, it's it's good to have you back. On terra firma. Um, oh, it's so good to be back. I don't think I have anything planned until at least August, including Seattle. No, March 7th, you come to Dublin and we're going to go run ourselves stupid around the mountain. Oh, is this our running podcast again? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's going to end well. Maybe we can do one of these live. Like, we can actually do it in the same room and not where I have to try and get speeches to match up together. Done. Let's do it. Awesome. Right. Uh, we are up 47 minutes. We have uh, 
we have fulfilled our brief of keeping people uh, entertained. And we will talk to you all soon. I prefer edutained, actually. Edutained. Right, yeah, we're done. Edutained. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye.